0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation.
1: Yes, hello, and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show that's taking flight here. Network, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, reporting live from beautiful sunny Atlanta, Georgia. The sun came out. Hey, we have a very special episode today. I don't know if any other podcast out there is doing this, but we are going X's and O's today on the court in regards to the Hawks. And this will be a running theme here on this program as we do a player development series with our special guest. Hailing from here in Atlanta, pro basketball skills trainer, Mr. ATL player development, hashtag Atlanta basketball trainer, also known as Swishful Athletics. But his government name deserves some respect to Mr. Jordan Boatwright. Jordan, thank you for coming on the program. You know, how do you feel today? Talk to the audience for a little bit before we obviously dive more into the program.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Um feeling good today. Uh, just relaxing on this Sunday. Uh, it's been nice weather, but just chilling, just looking over uh, some Hawks film and everything, getting prepared for this. That's all I've been doing.
1: Man, we, we appreciate having you on. And as he alluded to, this is Sunday. So happy Sunday to all those football fans out there. I know in the Atlanta area, they're uh celebrating the uh, beginning of the post-Dan Quinn era and they're doing very well against the Vikings right now currently up 30 to 7 in the third quarter and i know that a lot of uh ATLians love to go to church on Sunday and they may be grabbing the prayer beads a little bit for the Atlanta Braves who have a game 7 tonight in the NLCS against the Dodgers that so we wish the Braves all the luck and hopefully they can pull it out and get to the World Series to take on the uh, Tampa Bay Rays but back to basketball. Now, Hoop fans and Hawks fans, uh, check, out, uh, check out Jordan on social media. We'll plug that at the end of the show to see what work he's got going on. He has some great things going on in the area. And I know the, the great work that he has done in player development with a mutual friend of ours, Jordan Lloyd. He's playing overseas. And we just want to just continue, obviously, Mr. ATL Player Development's venture and so he can share that knowledge and that passion with other people who want to grow in the game and that passion and that knowledge that may be a secret here in Atlanta. We hope that after this show is no longer a secret. He is a must book as far as the skill development that he does for players and as well as a must book on my show going forward to talk about the Hawks. So hopefully after this episode, there'll be more to come from this So today, like I alluded to, we are going to highlight things that the young core can look to improve on going into next year and what we need to look for as fans as far as growth in their individual games and how that will hopefully make a big impact for the Hawks next year as they hope to make the playoffs. Last year, they finished 20-47 and in a shortened season due to coronavirus pandemic. But lost a lot of winnable games last year, which I allude to as a product of being a young team, injuries, and then the unfortunate suspension of John Collins. But there are things on the court this young Hawks core can get better at. Heading into year three for Lloyd Pierce, which is a basically a win or go home year for Lloyd Pierce, as the team has an option on his fourth year after this season. But I think him getting that option, will be very, very pertinent on how successful this team is this coming season. So we'll talk players first, then Capella, then hopefully the overall scheme, looking into next year on both ends of the court, and then talk additions that could potentially help this team reach the goal that came out of the minicamp of reaching the playoffs, whether that's through trade, free agency, the draft, that will hopefully help Coach Lloyd Pierce's chances of being retained for another year, Like I'm going to say, the world is the Hawks oyster right now, depending on the salary cap conversation, which is still yet to be taking place. So with that, we're going to start off with the no question best player on this roster, franchise player for the Hawks, ice traded gang, you know, as I shiver here in the studio. And we need to put some more respect on his government name like we put more respect on Jordan's government name right now. And last year for context, we'll give you guys some numbers on each of the players. But as numbers tell part of the truth, Jordan, Mr. Boatwright, who is here, Mr. HCL Player Development, will tell the whole truth as far as what on film specifically each player can get better at, what was good, what was bad, and what hopefully will take their game to the next level. So we'll talk about each of those players, how they can prove this offseason, because last year, Trey Young put up numbers like Mr. Larry Jr. Shout out to Uncle Larry real quick. But... As far as numbers go, Trey Young put on the show last year, averaging almost 30 points a game at 29.6 on 20 field goal attempts per game in 35 minutes, 9.3 assists, although he did have 4.8 turnovers per game last year, averaging four boards per game with a stature that's pretty impressive. Shot 36% from three, making 3.4 threes per game on nine and a half attempts per game and having one steal. So on the surface... I personally would like Trey Young to continue to work on decision-making to cut down those turnovers, be a leader as point guard one franchise player for this Hawks roster, and know when to get other players involved in spurts, and the team will continue to, you know, build their confidence outside of Trey Young because Trey Young is a very confident player, as you can see from his Twitter and how he carries himself. He's very confident in his skills and confident in his teammates as well. But the teammates need to grow in their confidence as well, hopefully through work in the offseason. And like I said, I think that's a product of, of of having a young team. But I think as they grow their games, I think his efficiency will go up as well. And I'm really glad that Trey Young is very hungry and motivated to prove everyone that he is the real deal. His numbers are not arbitrary and may not have contributed to wins last year and the year before, but his numbers are real. I will kick it to you, Jordan. What did you see from Trey Young this past year? What are some things that he can improve on this offseason that just seems everlasting uh, depending on when the next season will start and truly solidify in the eyes of the rest of the league and fans that he is the real deal?
0: uh like you said his his scoring went up he's he's a great ass, uh, assist man those are just you know the obvious things things he he definitely needs to improve on is just just defense i think uh him and the hawks were like last uh in the league and in, in, in defense like, i think like all around like points allowed and all that stuff field goal percentage three point percentage yeah um trey young he's just a defensive liability so uh, i don't know for at the segment where what the hawks need to do to help that but um, He'll he'll need help as far as like draft pieces or just in free agency to match up with a defender or an on, on ball defender to play alongside of him. But uh, offensively, he's he's talented. Like he's 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 almost tapping numbers that only uh, Westbrook and uh, Bill Russell have achieved with being a, a thirty and ten guy. I, th- I think his uh, his turnovers are going to go down. Um, that just comes with just you know time on the court and, yeah. you know, just studying and, you know, just having the right personnel around Ass- uh, assists are kind of a tricky number because assists can kind of be like finesse or whatever, make you look, look better. I-, I think he needs to become a better, like a more like a Rondo assist person, like helping, helping his players get buckets and creating buckets for them. Uh, I think a lot of his assists come from really the defense trying to limit his scoring, like double-teaming him and trapping him. So then he passes it, or then he'll throw the lob to to, to JC or something. Um, but I don't think he necessarily sets up a lot of his teammates. So, but I think with with time and you know more more the better personnel, the better his personnel gets around him, he'll have more trust in them. I think a lot of that relies on also Cam Reddish too. If Cam Reddish can become the guy that we all are expecting him to be. Trey Young's efficiency will skyrocket and his assists and turnovers will um, will be a lot better, I feel like, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned his efficiency because efficiency, as far as in the league, Trey Young and John Collins are two of the most efficient players. I think they're both in the top 20 as far as offensive efficiency. But as you alluded to, there's still more work to be done on both ends of the ball, and I can 100% agree that Sometimes those assists seem kind of empty because, like you said, it's alluded to, you know, situations where they're trying to limit him and then he gets other people involved instead of Mm -hmm. enabling them to really help this offense continue to get better. And I wanted to ask you a quick question because I know one of the things Trey Young's alluded to this offseason is that he wants to improve his conditioning so he can exert more energy on both ends of the court. Would that help? Like, would that specifically help some things defensively that he could do? I know we're going to talk a little later about structurally what they can do better with additions. And I think Clint Capella will be a, a wonderful addition as far as defensively for the Hawks. But as far as him working on his conditioning, what would that translate to defensively for Trey Young? Uh,
0: I think defense is really just effort. So, I mean, if condition was why he wasn't good on defense, then sure, that helps. But I think mainly it's just his size and just just matchups. That they just need the, the the Hawks need to be better as a team defensively, so they could at least hide him on a shooter or somebody. that's not a ball dominant point guard like most point guards are in this league. Kind of like what the what the Warriors do with Steph, uh, what Miami was doing with, with Duncan Robinson, um, just hiding him on non shooters. But that depends on the personnel you have around him as well. So. If conditioning was the reason why, you know, he wasn't as effective on defense and he needs to work on that, then by all means, you know, work on that. But I feel like defense is more just effort and just focus. I, I certainly agree there. I know just playing a different
1: sport, me playing football, being an offensive lineman blocking as technique is a huge thing when you're an offensive lineman effort is. You know, that that icing on the cake. If you're giving effort, a lot of stuff will, you know, work itself out. And I think you're absolutely right that if you're giving effort on the defensive end, even with your deficiencies that you have, things just tend to buff out. And he had average a steal a game last year. So maybe that added extra effort will maybe mm-hmm. get them some more steals and just, you know, put them in transition because, you know, the Hawks, it's no secret they like to run. They have those young players and they had they played the fifth fastest pace in the NBA last year so they can lend themselves to that. So we can talk all day about Trey Young, but we're going to talk about someone with, you know, the stature and the size to be a pretty good defender in this league. And I. Talking in other programs and i i would jump back to trey young real quick i think we're going to get the best of trey young this year just from that added motivation and seeing everyone talk about the jamal murray's the luka donchins which obviously they're going to be connected forever because of the draft night trade between dallas and atlanta and i think i think he wants to step up to the plate and he alluded to in minicamp to the media that he does not want to miss the playoffs ever again so i think mm-hmm. that he'll do everything he can to prop this team up, be the leader, set the tone in that regard, and hopefully these other players follow suit. And this next guy, he's going to be extremely motivated too, John Collins, JC. Unfortunately, he has missed 20-plus games the last two seasons between injuries and suspension, but his talent and work that he has put into the game cannot be disputed. He continues to progress in his production in almost all facets last year and expanding his range. Last year, John Collins in 41 games averaged 21.6 points per game on 15 attempts per game, shooting 58% from the field, which was in the top half of the league last year, shooting over 40% from three on 3.4 attempts per game, averaging 10 rebounds a game and almost three offensive rebounds per game, which is a very underrated stat in my opinion, 1.6 blocks per game and 80% from the free throw line. And additionally, according to 538, he and Trey Young are the only players on his team that boasted a positive offensive rating last year. And Collins had a defensive rating of negative 0.4, which is really good considering as a team, the Hawks defensive rating is negative 5.1. So it was a great season for John Collins in a smaller sample size for the reasons I stated before. People are wondering if these numbers are real, and I mean from a st- Scoring standpoint, rebounds and blocks, he's been pretty consistent in his aspects being in the league and continue to grow in those numbers. And as I alluded to, he's one of the most efficient offensive players in the league. But I think improving his playmaking ability, which he alluded to in the bubble mini camp to media, is going to be a key next year, which encompasses, in my opinion, dribbling, putting the ball on the floor and setting up your teammates because of the threat of you scoring at all three facets that John Collins can potentially do if he's consistently working on those aspects of his game. But even being a better defensive leader on this team is another thing that I look to see him improve next year. And I think adding Capella to anchor the paint I think will help Collins defensively and as well as team defense. But what are your thoughts on John Collins entering a contract year and... Like I alluded to, I think we'll get the best from John Collins because he wants to prove to this organization and the league that he's a max contract player. And in the words of young Dolph, get paid, young brother, get paid. So <laughs> what does he need to do, Jordan, to get paid next year and get better and help the Hawks team?
0: Don't get suspended uh, again. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing. Uh, I, th- I think his suspension kind of messed up the Hawks' season. I had them as the eighth seed, to be honest, but his suspension messed that up. So. He could stay uh, healthy and stay clean, All, that, all whatever you guys suspended for. Um, let's just not do that again. Uh, but offensively, he's exactly what every team wants as a stretch for in the league. Defensively, obviously, he, he could improve. Um, I think rebounding would be the immediate thing that he can fix uh, g- going into this season, just be a better rebounder offensively and, and defensively. But to be honest, I think he's more of a uh, trade piece. I think that the Hawks are are enticing and i think it's gonna i think they're gonna send him somewhere out west and i'd like to say like golden state or something but um i think it's really a trade piece i don't see him being in the hawks future just because of his game like you said they're gonna have to pay him and most uh playoff teams i think all playoff teams and most teams that make it to the finals have a really efficient stretch for so he's going to be a hot commodity i don't think the hawks can really afford to keep him unless they want to make him the cornerstone but I I could really see him getting traded, and the Hawks racking up on some draft picks because of him. But I think he is a max contract player. Uh, I don't think like a super max or anything, or maybe right below the max. But just his efficiency on the offensive end, being able to shoot. Uh, you know, he's he's a he's a rim roller. He's he's really good on the rolling to the rim, catching the lob. He's really efficient on the pop. I seen him working out a couple times last year at the Hawks facility, just just expanding his range, just being more of, of efficient. Uh, like like corner shooter, and him handling the ball to push on the break, uh, start the offense. So I think if he applies all those things, he'll he'll definitely he'll definitely get the contract that he deserves for sure, and he'll help the Hawks going into this next season. And I think it's really interesting that you alluded to you. You
1: about the work that he put in this game to continue to expand his range and expand his game, which is just a tribute to obviously him and his work ethic, which cannot be denied coming into the league, but. There's been some scenarios that have been put out where the Hawks do trade him. And I am on the fence. I would love to keep him just because of this youth and he can grow with Trey young and he is going to continue to grow in his game. And he is efficient. He can get more efficient, which is scary to even think about both of these players getting even more efficient. And I think like you alluded to, it attributes to everybody else elevating their game. We'll talk to some of those. We'll talk about some of those other players coming up, but to Golden State, it's, it's funny because I've talked about a couple times, there are several scenarios with the cap space that the Hawks have and the interesting situation that the Golden State Warriors are in, having the number two pick, but having all these players coming back from their core, from their championship run, minus obviously Kevin Durant, who is in Brooklyn now, uh, hanging out with a ho occasionally, but... <laughs> just the the ability to get something done there and i alluded to maybe the hawks making a trade if, if depending on if they want to go go in and get something on the books as far as cap space wise this year from golden state like a draymond green whose production is going down but can come in and help the hawks you know on the defensive end he's a leader he has that championship pedigree and he can help Really pushed these young guys here in Atlanta, and he's been spending time here at NBA TNT this offseason, filling in and occasionally and doing a wonderful job, by the way. So he's been spending time here in Atlanta. I know there exactly. was a scenario, and he's been there was a scenario of maybe trading for Andrew Wiggins with that large contract and taking him on and playing him next to a Trey Young, and I think with his size and him slowly but surely getting better on the defensive end Andrew Wiggins can help that perimeter defense and cover some of the deficiencies in Trey Young's defensive game at the perimeter and so I know that those are some things that are thrown out there do you is there any other teams that you think would I mean probably a lot of teams as far as you know his skill set that we can look for as far as wanting John Collins services uh
0: maybe like the Mavericks I think um but I've just, I just I'm I'm stuck on the Warriors just with the with the GM being from Golden State and the previous trades they've made in the last couple of years have all been Golden State related, so that's why I, I see that. But I could see them going to like a Dallas maybe or with Houston turning over, um, even possibly a Houston. now with Daryl Morey and D'Antoni being out of there. I think Houston's gonna be be trying to make some moves, even maybe like a Portland, depending on what they do with uh like like Whiteside and uh trevor reza and all, all those people coming back but um I, I don't think john collins will have any issues finding a home and, and and getting paid it's just more about the fit and i think i think the best fit i feel like in my opinion would be golden state or dallas right now off the top of my head i haven't really thought too heavy about it but i i, I could see him going to one of those two teams
1: And those those takes right there is one of the many reasons why I wanted to get you on this show, because those are just those are great takes in general. I know Dallas has been out of circulation saying that they will do everything they can to get Giannis. But I I don't think that uh, John Collins is a bad uh, bad backup plan for them. And then, like you said, just with Golden State and their flexibility and what they're looking for, they want a lot of people who can pass, shoot and defend. And they're smart players. Mm -hmm. So. I, I think that that would be a wonderful, wonderful fit as well. I think,
0: so uh, essentially, I think every team that's shooting for a Giannis, I think their number two and three is John Collins and Aaron Gordon to follow up because not everybody's going to get Giannis or have Giannis money. But I think the next, you know, stretch four is that our hot commodity would be a John Collins and an Aaron Gordon. So whatever team is searching for a Giannis is going to their second option. I think is John Collins.
1: Okay. And before we move on to the next player, do you think that this is a scenario where the Hawks get to the trade deadline and see what his value is on the market based on the sample size he provides during the season and make a move or do they play out this year, especially with the decision on Lloyd Pierce's option with the team and then try to trade him before he needs to get re-signed in the off season?
0: I think as of now, they probably might be trying to move him before the season. Um, but I think as the season if if they don't, um as the season goes on, depending on how successful or unsuccessful they are, it might be a trade deadline thing. But I think a player of that caliber will probably be an offseason move.
1: Okay. Okay. And so now we're gonna to talk to another player who I think that is in a make or break year himself, uh, Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter did improve from his rookie numbers last year, where he was obviously in his rookie year on the second team all rookie team for the NBA and he took a similar step forward as his counterparts on that second team besides Shea Gilgis alexander who had a wonderful year in college section, whose numbers just improved, being on a Cleveland Cavaliers team with just not a ton of assets at this point, uh, but they are growing and trying to grow in the right direction as everyone at the bottom half of the conferences are trying to do, with both having more minutes per game than Herder. And starting more games than Herter, but in year two, Kevin Herter did see himself in the starting lineup in a higher percentage of games than the year before. And his numbers included 12.3 points per game, which is a two and a half point increase. And notably, if they would have played an 82-game season last year, I think that number would have been a little bit higher. Uh, But he was still trying to find his rhythm and a little bit of that traditional sophomore slump that second-year players have before they really hit their stride in the last half of the season and finish strong. Uh, Like a Donovan Mitchell, who had a little bit of slump in his second year as well and then finished strong. Obviously leading them into the playoffs and carrying that team into the second round past the Thunder that year. But... Back to Kevin Herter, averaging 3.8 assists per game, and he was an 83% free-throw shooter, which was, a, which was increased from year one, and he shot 38% from three, which he's already stated that he was not really pleased with, and he wants to hit the 40% mark. And as we alluded to, the 3.8 assists per game, it's no secret. I Me mean, personally, I want Herder to be more of a playmaker, and he started to work towards that a little bit. Last year, some strides. I want him to improve from the three-point line, hitting that 40% mark and can continue to get better with his mid-range shooting, which is the reason why they drafted him to complement Trey Young. Like I said, I want that 40% mark because in college, he did shoot a career 46.6% from the three-point line. Obviously, different game, different speed. You're going to have to work and adjust for that. And In college, he did shoot around 41, 42% from the mid-range game. So, But like I said, he's a product of circumstance, in my opinion. He needs to continue to grow in confidence in himself, his abilities, and I think that his role offensively, especially right now, his goal this year, if it's internally, is to try to hold off Cam Reddish as best as he can because depending on the work that Cam Reddish put in the offseason into his game, it may be a situation where Cam Reddish takes his spot and moves Herter to the bench. So, what do you what do you see from Red Velvet? What do you what do you like in this game? What did he need to improve? And I and like I said, I'm going to continue to say it's a make or break year, in my opinion, for him.
0: <laughs> well, first, I like the name Red Velvet. <laughs> oh yes, um, oh, yes. It, uh, I think smooth. I think he's solid though. I think he's he's good where he's at. Um, I I, I can see his mechanics and all that stuff. He's he's going to be a 40% shooter. I'm not worried about that. I think he is that secondary playmaker, but it's going to take time. Everybody's looking for instant gratification and instant success. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think he's progressing at the rate that he should be as what he's going to be for his career. But I also think a lot of it, like I said, it all comes down to Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish can be the person that we want him to be. It'll make Trey Young, Kevin Herter, just that whole offense for the Hawks just move much more efficiently. And it'll he'll have a lot more space and a lot more open shots um, to get to that that forty percent because I think in college he was like like forty eight percent or something like that so it's, I'm not worried about him getting to that forty percent mark he'll he'll get there it's just a matter of just shot selections and efficiency and like I said Trey Young can start to set people up instead of you know passing it when the defense is trapping him or you know forcing it out of his hands that'll create better shots for Kevin and Cam and everybody else so. I think he's solid. I think his progress is, 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 is right on line. I guess when we get to the end of the segment, I'll, I, I'll let you know what I think about how the team should move and handle him going forward. But as okay. of right now, him shooting, what, 84% from the free throw line and 40% from mid-range, 41% from mid-range, I think he's right on cue. He'll be a 50-40-90 player at some point in his career um, just because of how efficient and how smooth his game is.
1: And 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 I agree with that as well like like I think the 83% f- from the free throw line shows that he does have the stroke to be a consistent shooter in his league and I I try not to be critical of players in any sport until they hit that 30 year. I think when you hit when players hit that 30 year, what no matter what the sport is, you kind of are who you are at that point. So I've been trying to be a, a little more, you know, lenient on some of these younger players until they get to that 30 year threshold, which Kevin Herter is coming into, so we will see if he can improve on that end. But before we talk about some more of the other players here on the Hawks roster, it's another plug for ExpressVPN. Okay, so we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? I dabbled in it a little bit before, but after learning about ExpressVPN, I had to see what's up. And it's taking my TV watching gang to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are available in other countries. This past weekend, like I do every weekend, I use ExpressVPN to re-watch still one of the dopest shows on TV, debate me if I'm wrong, Prison Break, which is only available on Netflix UK. And it was so simple. All I did was just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change my location to the UK Refresh Netflix, and that's it. I was watching my boy Schofield again, being diabolical and breaking out another prison once again. And that show, that boy code. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located at. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the different Netflix libraries you can go through. You love anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix, and it loads faster than Naruto's Run. <laughs> you like that? That's smooth. Anyway, it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are a 100 VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lags, and you can stream it in HD with no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices—phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So watch what you want, whether on the go or on the big screen. Wherever you are, doesn't matter. So if you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com/hoopball, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Three months, good lord! So support the show. Watch what you want to watch and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Now that we did the plug, we're going to move forward and continue to talk about players here on the Talks roster. Next one, DeAndre Hunter. In my opinion, DeAndre Hunter had a very solid rookie campaign. Many people thought that for what they traded for, it was a little lower. But you know what? I personally thought he got slighted out of, you know, the second team, our rookie team, in my opinion, posting numbers that included 12.3 points per game, four and a half rebounds per game, shooting 35 percent from three, 41 percent from the field, 76 percent from the free throw line. He averaged 33 minutes per game and played in 63 of 67 games that the Hawks played last year. So very durable and dependable as a player. He had the highest on off court plus minus per 100 possessions out of himself, Kevin Herter, and Cam Reddish. And it seemed like every time I watched DeAndre Hunter last year, I saw him make the right plays consistently that contribute to winning basketball, even though it didn't translate into the dub column for the Hawks. But that's one thing that I think that, that he can continue to improve on, as well as continue to grow in confidence himself, That will lead to some aggression because confidence breeds aggression. That's what my coach used to tell me. And that will lend himself on a defensive end with with his already great instincts on a defensive end. That will only get better from being in the league, continue to watch films, seeing players and learning defensive schemes, And as well as offensively, I would like to see him put the ball on the floor a little bit more. I personally compare him to an OG and an OB personally, and that's the trajectory I see. From him continuing to improve As I mentioned he has the intangibles To be a great 3 and D guy In this league for years to come I would like for him to improve on that 35% 3 point shooting which wasn't bad As a rookie at all and it was third on the Team last year as far as 3 point shooting Percentage but as I alluded To in other podcasts the Hawks were Last in the NBA in 3 point shooting Percentage so everyone can improve in that Category including him even though He was third but like I said in your First year in the NBA that is not bad Certainly better than I'm listening to Kevin Herter, who wants to get to the 40% mark. I think that if DeAndre Hunter got to that 40% mark, whew, Lord, that that would be very, very scary. Uh, And I think it would just only help out this team offensively and force defenders to cover him and continue to open the floor for everyone else and help everybody else get open shots. And according to the NBA.com, he was 38.8% on catch-and-shoot threes last year, which is a very good stat, especially as a rookie. And I think that he will continue to get better on both ends and hopefully work on some lateral quickness to continue to prove upon his great instincts that he has on the defensive end, as well as watching a lot of film on some great defenders in this league who are, you know, consummate professionals at the three and D position like a, uh, Robert Covington. Uh, I alluded to O.G. and I know being his progress in Toronto. But Jordan, what do you want to see from a DeAndre Hunter?
0: I think he might be that defensive playmaker that the Hawks need uh once he fully develops. You said you compared him to OG. I think that's a very great comparison. I kind of have him in that Kawhi category as well. Oh. Um, one of the many times I've been kicked out the Hawks facility, I've seen him work out um <laughs> kicked yeah, out. He, well,
1: we'll talk we'll talk about that at the end of the program. We'll yeah, We can get down. into
0: that later. <laughs> but uh he, he he has a really good good work ethic. Uh, I, I I like I like the hit the foundation to his shot, the, the mechanics like I said, I, I think he might be the diamond in the rough that the Hawks need if they can just be patient and don't put him in any trade packages. But I could also see um, a better team being kind of savvy with their trade moves and asking to throw him in because I think he has a lot of potential to be the defensive anchor on this team and just be that, not necessarily that go-to player, but like like his mid-range is very efficient. And, and like you he said, uh, he's almost he shot almost 40% from three just off the catch and shoot, which is of very great stat in today's you know NBA game, but I think as long as he continues with his development, he will be very solid for the Hawks, and he'll he'll be a good core piece with with Young, Herder, and Reddish. Just just he'll be a very good core. Like I said, he'll be the anchor to, to that defense, in, in my opinion.
1: I I really like I really like that take right there. I, I, I see I see definitely what you see as far as with DeAndre Hunter and the the sky. Basically, is the limit as far as him on the defensive end. And if he can continue to be a knockdown three-point shooter and be that 3-and-D, which is very valuable in today's game, I think that it will help continue to propel the Hawks going forward. And I like how you alluded to just DeAndre Hunter being potentially put in a trade package. You know, there's been some trade scenarios I've seen out there. Uh, most notably, one I talked about in this program with the San Antonio Spurs, which we did take assistant GM Landry Fields from. And I already have an ex- uh, existing co- connection with that organization in that regard. But the trade scenario to try to get to potentially DeMar DeRozan to the Atlanta Hawks involved the number six pick DeAndre Hunter. And I think another player I have to go back and look. But he is some, someone that I would like to see the Hawks hold on to as well. Because I think he will have some value down the road. And we, you talk about patience. Patience is a lost virtue in this society. Everybody wants instant gratification. We're kind of like a microwave society. The microwave, great invention, but really bad on our patience as far as people. But people want to see that return on investment, and we need to continue to be patient with these young players. And this next player is the same, but you alluded to, you talked a lot about it in this podcast already. So I'm really excited to see your take on Cam Reddish. Uh, After having a slow start to last year in his Ricky K campaign, he showed some flashes throughout the year and certainly finished strong. And you know, the coach's cliche, it's not about how you start, but how you finish. So we're going to use that same cliche and talk about how Cam Reddish finished in March before the season was stopped. He averaged 17 and a half points per game, four boards per game, shooting 55% from the field, 47.6% from 3 and 85.7 from the free throw line and 28.8 minutes per night to end the season last year. So he certainly caught on fire He's a more than capable three-point shooter, just struggled at time just like he did at Duke, but he has the intangibles to be a great shooter in this league, a great defender with his size, his wingspans, the instincts that he already naturally has, and him shooting 80% from the free-throw line the entire season last year is very encouraging as far as his shot goes, but... That's all I'm going to say about Cam Reddish because I, I feel like you got, some, you got something to say about Cam Reddish. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you take it away and, and let the audience you know revel in what you think about Cam Reddish because I really like him as well.
0: So when I first heard about Cam, I was very hesitant on his skill set and then watching him at Duke. I, I don't think he lived up to the expectations, but he's also one of those players that at college is, it really isn't you know uh, suitable for him. So him having a slow start to the season, I'm, I wasn't worried about that. I, I think he's he's going to be th- that guy sooner than later once he once he gets that confidence. But it's just more about just him just having minutes and being able to mess up on on the floor without any type of you know punishment or anything like that. But like I said, I've, I've been saying throughout this whole podcast, if he can be the person we all expect him to be—that twenty-five plus tonight, score seven plus rebounds, you know, three, four assists or something like that—the Hawks will will be a playoff team in, in no time. I don't really know if I have a player comparison for him, but he he has that offensive game where he could pretty much you know do anything anywhere on the court. But those are my favorite type of players. Like I like to train those six eight, six nine, a swingman that can shoot, handle, uh, rebound, defend. that can push the ball. You just have to show them where to get their shots and let them know where they're efficient at and give them the the confidence, really, because he has all the skills he needs. It's just more confidence and just knowing placements and everything. And that goes back to Trey Young setting up his teammates and, you know, four buckets and not just passing it to him when the shot clock is running low or whenever there's a double coming. But I'm confident that Cam can be the guy that the Hawks need him to be. And then this, uh, you know, this follows into the, the end of the segment, too, what the team has to do and, you know, uh, structure and just personnel and everything. But I think Cam is the perfect fit for what the Hawks are trying to do and what they're going to be doing in the future. I think he's, he's a good he's a good uh, secondary piece to, to Trey Young right now. I I
1: certainly agree. and I just want to continue to see him grow in his game, and his confidence, uh, because the sky is the limit. I know that you you, you didn't want to get into a player comparison as far as for Cam Reddish. Uh, I've seen people say Rudy Gay, but better on the defensive end, and Mm. they think that he can surpass that. And I know that this guy is getting a lot of slack right now uh, with the many names from layoff P to pandemic P, <laughs> but I kind of see some Paul George in him.
0: I can see that too game. for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I kinda I kinda see that, but I, I didn't want to put it on the podcast at first because of recent history and how everyone <laughs> has a bad taste in their mouth right now for Paul George, who is apparently actively getting shot by the Clippers. But that's for another program, not who ball hawks because if he ain't coming to Atlanta, we ain't talking about it right now. But as <laughs> far as Cam Reddish goes. I think that the sky is the limit. I think that the team goes. As far as, like I said, Trey Young is going to help take this team as far as it can go, but he has to help bring everybody else along. I think that, like I said, Trey Young sets the pace and everyone has to keep up with that pace. And if Cam Reddish can continue to make strides and get close to that pace of where Trey Young is, uh, it's going to be very, very special for this Hawks franchise who is in, I think, in win now mode. I mean, I'll talk about that on another podcast this week with Corbin, but I think they, they, they're in win-now mode, so they're going to have to continue to make moves to try to win now, and then that goes into player development, as well as what we'll talk about next with the addition of Clint Capella and then team scheme. So personally, I love the addition of Clint Capella to this team. Very efficient on both ends, high IQ, high motor, soft hands, good touch around the rim, solid rim protector. And I think he can be a defensive anchor for this Hawks team. And thank the Lord he's finally healthy. Thank you. Woo, thank you. And and I think that he will be great for this team, especially, like I said, on the defensive end. It can help them continue to grow as far as John Collins in this defensive game, because John Collins can be a little bit of, a further away from the basket, playing the four, probably with Capella being at the five. And even though it may take away some from blocks that people, you know, like to see on fantasy, as far as John Collins, I think it just ultimately make him better. Because one of the things that I was hearing and, and many camp from the Hawks is how great of a communicator Clint Capella is, along with just how active he is in his high motor and activity on both sides of the ball. He, he talks on defensive end. And that is a very underrated thing. I know, you know, in the game, talking on defense will help just get everybody else in the right position, because if you're not communicating, it's easy to get out of position. Being like I said, a former offensive lineman in college, I was you know the, the left tackle at times, right tackle at times. We would call out protection for blitzes. So if I call it out, it gets everybody else in the right position, and we can protect our quarterback, keep him upright, he can throw down the field. And I think that that effect Clint Capella can have will help you know the defensive scheme for the Hawks going forward next year. But what do you feel about the team scheme going? going forward next year the addition of clint capella yeah let, let's talk about that because i know that you've alluded to it in this uh, podcast and i love to see your
0: insight on this uh i really like the, uh, the addition of clint capella um I, I i figured the hawks were going for him or drumming the, the the way things were going last season um but i think clint capella is the, the the perfect fit for what the hawks are trying to do like you said, he's a great defensive anchor, and he's going to help John Collins and just the, the other other people on the defensive end just getting their spots and positions and everything. I, I think he complements uh, what Trey needs as a as a screen setter, a rim roller, a lob catcher. I one thing I'm not really sure about is his switchability. I guess if he's able to switch on guards, you know, with, with John Wall being healthy in the East, he's going to have to he's going to get stuck on an island on him. You got you got Kyrie; they're going to be running that, that high pick and roll. So that's what I'm curious about: is is, is he able to contain guards on, on the perimeter? I don't really remember seeing a lot of that in Houston, um, but I didn't really watch a lot of Houston as well. So that that would be my my one concern. But if he has the lateral movement and the and the agility to to hang with the guards in the East, then uh, like I said, he's he's a, he's a perfect defensive anchor for the Hawks. And yeah, I like what he does for them offensively and defensively, as far as helping help Trey's game and complementing that and the shooters that are placed around him.
1: And, and let's talk about scheme. Now, as far as talking about scheme, do you want to talk about additions as far as draft picks, trade, free agency, whatever you see that will help them improve first? Before we go into scheme, uh, I'll give you your freeway because, like I said, I love what okay. I'm hearing from you today uh, as far as that scheme and additions uh,
0: to the team. What picks do the Hawks have?
1: So the Hawks have the sixth pick currently, and then they have the 50th pick in the second round so two picks this draft unless obviously they make a trade and acquire some more draft picks we know how uh travis slink loves assets tier yeah for for the hawks but right now at the sixth pick right now that's what the hawks i'm
0: have. I'm, I'm curious to who he's going to draft because uh he's been pretty successful drafting in the middle to late first round with uh john collins and kevin Herder. Uh, so him having an early pick, I'm, um, I'm curious to see where he's going to go with this, because to be honest, I think too much young talent will kind of be a problem for the Hawks. So I'm not I'm not sure if they're going to draft somebody who they would draft. I don't think they really need too much help. I think the help that they need would be more of a veteran presence, a defensive presence. I hear a lot of people talking about they're going to throw the max to, to Brandon Ingram. My opinion, I think looking at the wrong Pelicans player. I think a Drew Holiday next to Trey Young would be like prime. I think uh, there's a couple of disgruntled stars in the league, like yeah. Victor Oladipo. He would be a good trade asset. I feel like uh, to be next to Trey Young with the, with with that sixth pick, you know, they could trade that. And also, you know, with the Warriors, I don't think anybody the Warriors need is in the top five pick. So I think they're looking to trade that. I'm on record saying that they're going to trade it to the Pistons for Derrick Rose. Somebody else off the Pistons, I forgot who, but uh, but oh yeah, they're, they're going to trade it. I think they're going to trade it for like Derrick Rose or somebody. But I, if it comes to the Hawks, and like you said, Draymond's been spending time here, so I think you're going to look to throw in Draymond with that with that that second pick. And yeah, that, I, that, I, that, I I, that I really like
1: how, like I said, I've mentioned O.D. Graham, I've mentioned Draymond, yeah. I've also mentioned Demar Derozan. Yeah, and I really I think that like I I rather have a and and I'll let you get to your point as well. I really agree with you that it's with them trying to win now. I think they need more of a veteran contributor that can help them produce right away more so than another young player. But I'll let you get back to your point.
0: Yeah, I, I've been hearing the Demar Derozan. I don't really think he'll be a good fit with the Hawks. Uh, I've been hearing like a Joe Harris. I don't think the Hawks really need to pay him because I think that's essentially what what, what Kevin Herter can be. But I'm, I'm really I really like to I think Drew Holiday would be like the perfect pick because I think with that you could put Herter on that second unit and he could become that playmaker that everybody's wanting him to be. And he could run that second unit and then that'll give Cam another season to kind of get into his bag and, you know, find out what type of player he's going to be. And that'll give the Hawks the advantage to win now. But I'm I'm thinking, you know, it might be like a KCP that, that that they bring from the Lakers. I think somebody from the Lakers is coming to the Hawks. Um, in my opinion, whether it be a Morris brother, KCP, uh, Quinn Cook, somebody that has you know kind of a, a Atlanta backgrounds or Georgia background, something. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I I don't think like this 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 is a great pick. But I just I just don't think that they need it. I think I don't think that would benefit them. They have an, enough young talent unless it's like a backup point guard for, for, for Trey young or something. But I think with everything they have on the books, I think they need to go out and get a free agent. And I'm, like I said, I'm I'm stuck on D- drew holiday. I think he would be a perfect pick, uh, a, a KCP. I think between one of those two, it would, they'd stay within the Hawks system and their culture and they wouldn't get themselves out of budget, you know, catering to a, a, a superstar or anything. And it'll give them that win now um, somebody who's not too old, like a Vince Carter but somebody who can still, you know, play and contribute and, you know, go out on the court and that'll give, you know, Trace some time to develop and, you know, just contain this energy, I guess for the d- defensive end if he has uh, help with that with that backup point guard role. But those are kind of the ideas that I think that they're going to kind of follow with, but I think I could see a lot of movement or some movement with Golden State in that and in that pick being involved in John Collins or something.
1: Yeah, uh, it, the sky is the limit. Uh, the Hawks have, um, with the assets that they acquired, the cap space, they have a lot of flexibility this offseason. I really like the Drew Holiday idea. I am a Pelicans fan, being from the state of Louisiana, and I, I really like that young team as well. But I think that for them to grow, as far as the Pelicans talking, if you're going to trust Lonzo Ball with the keys to the castle, there's been a lot of times where they have to split the ball-handing responsibilities, and Lonzo is way better at this point in his career with the ball in his hand and off-ball, and that's mm-hmm. something that he has to work on. But if they want to grow this offense with Lonzo Ball, as much as I love Drew Holiday and what he's done for the New Orleans community down there and just his presence on that team and his ability to defend – he, we may have to move on. Me, me, for selfish reasons, I would not mind him, you know, coming coming here and me having the ability to cover him and potentially interview him as well, just because I just like him as a person, as a player yeah. who doesn't get the credit that he is deserved in the, in the From NBA world. You're from media, from media, True basketball savants such as yourself. They know, they know, yeah. uh, and I, I like seeing the uh, podcast. Uh, I know all the smoke. They interviewed Ja Morant this off season, and he talked about who's that player that's just a dog in the league that just you know it's going to be tough every time you go against him. First person, what he didn't even take long. Drew Holiday, Drew yeah. Holiday came out of his mouth, and a lot everybody
0: of people knows. Know. Yeah, everybody oh, yeah,
1: knows. Everybody knows about Drew. Everybody knows about Drew, yeah, and, I, and, I, and after. And after today, I hope everybody knows about you, Jordan. And I want to thank you again for coming on the program. Jordan Boatwright, get his government name some respect, a.k.a. Swiss for Athletics. He will be Mr. ATL player development on this program. This will not be the last time you hear from him. Hashtag basketball trainer. Can't thank you enough and before we you know let the audience know how to connect with you and what you got going on kicked out of the hawks facility i wanted to go back to that real quick i made, <laughs> I made sure to write that down what, what, what can you tell me tell me about that
0: uh security knows me pretty well up there I, I i'm i guess i feel kind of entitled because i have a few uh big time players that i work with um i feel like i need to have access to their facility so um I think you I've, 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 I've tried to just walk in several times, you know, just trying to see how far I could get. But um, it, it's also attached to P3 and a few of my clients work out there. So whenever I'm there with my clients, I walk over and see if I could get in. And uh, I've never been successful. But the one time I actually had paperwork to get in. I was working out with uh, Tamir Blatt. He's the David Blatt's son. And um, this has been like probably like a year after they opened, but I had already been like kicked out like four times by then. So when I finally had paperwork, security was like excited, you know, was happy to see me in there and stuff. Cause he, he knew what I was been trying to do and finesse my way in there. And then uh, after my little week pass ran out, uh, I, I got in there the extra day and that's when I saw DeAndre Hunter working out and uh, John Collins I, 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 throughout the whole week. I saw a lot of people working out, but that last day I, I really got to see uh, DeAndre Hunter and then um, security was like, uh, are you supposed to be here? And I was like, uh, depends you know <laughs> and uh you know you ask about paperwork and stuff and then they was like yeah we're gonna have to ask you to have to, have to have to ask you to leave and stuff so yeah i've been uh i've been kicked out of that facility a few times <laughs> man
1: well speaking to someone who is potentially uh Hopefully, and we'll talk about it here on this program. That I'm in the process of potentially getting Hawks credentials, as far as media is concerned. To hopefully get into that facility, so maybe I can help uh, get you in as well, or you can come in with me. Come in with me, uh, yeah, to get (laughs) you in. But uh, tell the audience how they can connect with you and what you got going on.
0: Um, I'm on all social medias. I'm more active on Instagram uh, at Swissful Athletics. I think that's the same Twitter handle as well, too. Uh, you could also email me at boatwright.jordan at Hotmail. It's an old school email, but uh, I still use it. <laughs> I have a Gmail, but I don't ever check it. So give them out. My Gmail would be pointless. But, yeah, uh, you got all my information on there. Uh, you got my number and everything on there. So y'all could call, email me, set up workouts. Um, I work with everybody. Uh, everything's negotiable. That's how I grew up. So um, as long as I can still pay my bills, um, I'm open for service. <laughs> Yes, and
1: uh, I I know that you you dropped out real quick at the email, but I will reiterate it. It is boatwright.jordan at hotmail.com if you did not hear that. I know the audio did drop out. Uh, And Like I said, I want to plug him however I can because he's doing me a service. Just like I said, him being a basketball savant, knowing the X's and O's and his ability to break down film and really tell the story of what's going on for as far as the team and individual players, and I've seen him do that on his Instagram, like like he said, switch for Athletics, follow him on IG, that's how I connected with him, and just seeing his videos, breaking down the finals, talking about, well, all, throughout the entire bubble playoffs, uh, really, you know, was fun for me to see, just see his brain, to see his, uh, see what he is seeing on the court, and t- and bring that out to an audience, so I wanted to get him on the
0: show, and Fans, we're, 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 he's gonna be back. He's gonna be. That back. was really <laughs> difficult for me too. <laughs> those, those videos, I didn't. I never knew where to start or what points to touch on or anything. I was just really just freestyle and trying to get comfortable just being on camera and talking to people. That's that was the whole purpose behind all that. But I, I didn't think I did a good job. So I um, I like that you're that you appreciate it and stuff because I, I didn't really think that I did good at all with those analysis. <laughs>
1: Hey, well, yeah, well, yeah, I, th- I thought you did a good job. I thought you did a good job, and that's why I want to make you a uh, consummate on this program, especially once games get going on. Uh, oh, yeah. So just, to, to, just to hit them up, have, have Hawks fans hoop off things, tune in, see what Mr. Atlanta Player Development sees on the court, and hopefully it can lend to maybe some trends for the Hawks throughout the season to look for, and hopefully to see who has the hot hand. And I know some people – Tune into our program for fantasy purposes. Maybe this will help your fantasy team. Uh, we don't live in a fantasy land here, but hey, I, I know you guys want to want to do well in your leagues and shoot. I play I play fantasy basketball too. I want to do good as well. So if there's any tip that's that we can provide, we want to do that. So, guys, if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Uh just like I hope your Uber passenger rating is. Uh Jordan, it, do you know your Uber Uber passenger rating?
0: Yeah, I think I'm a like a 4.9 or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm a 4.9 as well. I just try to. I, I'm. I tell on the program. You know, I'm mad. I want to know what I did. because I'm a perfectionist, but you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm not, but I'm not a social not,
0: person as an Uber passenger. I, I don't want to have that small talk. So I know that's why. <laughs>
1: Why, why it's there but I'm a four and I am a social person in the Uber at times when it calls That's for funny. it and I'm 4.91 as well so Uber you know let us know what we gotta do to improve but give this show five stars give us a good review share with fellow Hawks fans and basketball enthusiasts across the globe follow us at hawks on Twitter that is at hawks. follow myself Brad Jared67. that is Brad J A R ett 67 Thank you again, Mr. Boatwright, Mr. Atlanta player development, hashtag Atlanta basketball trainer for blessing us on the podcast. And I'm going to end it like I do every podcast with strong. Yay! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile.